What's up, freedom chasers? Have you ever felt the tug of war between tradition and innovation? Or have you struggled between where you want to come from and where you want to go? Our next guest epitomizes this dynamic blend. He's journeyed from South Korea. He's established his roots as a lawyer that is still practicing and then branched out into the busting world of multifamily apartment investing as well as small business acquisition. But he's not just about titles. At his core, he's a believer, a proud father, a dadpreneur, and an unapologetic challenger of the status quo. If you've been seeking inspiration from someone who breaks barriers while embracing every facet of his identity, then you're in for an enlightening conversation. Without further ado, let's get to know the multifaceted Yosef Lee. Hey, Tim, how are you? Thank you for having me. That was, by the way, that was one of the best intros I've heard. So thank you very much for that. I try. I put a lot of effort in there. You might have noticed I put some sprinklings in from our pre-show call. Um, anyways, Yosef, let's talk about the journey. Obviously, you're an attorney, man. You're, you're getting paid pretty well. What made you seek out real estate investing? So uh, probably a couple of years back, I mean, it started probably way earlier, but I didn't really realize that's, that's what I should worry about. Um, around 2018-ish, uh, I don't know why, but all of a sudden, it, it, the thought hit me. Uh, and I started questioning, like, is this something that I want to do for the rest of my life, right? I, it's like basically trading my time for money. Yes, as you said, attorneys, they, they make livings, but, um, you know, they, 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 the, the time is so demanding, like, gotta easily put 60, 70 hours and more. I used to bring work home and, and even weekends I used work. So that, that question led me to, uh, another question, like, so what options are there, right? So let me, let me do some research. And then that's around when I stumbled upon the book, Robert Kiyosaki's Reach It at Important. And that book was phenomenal. That just changed my mindset, totally upside down. Um, and funny a little side story is that I had the book for over 10 years on my shelf and never read it. <laughs> and, and I don't know why this time, why it hit me, but I, I read it from cover to cover. And then that was the aha moment. And I decided from being a W-2 employee, uh, and or self-employed mindset because as an attorney, I'm mostly self-employed. Uh, I decided to shift into a business owner mindset and investor mindset, and then I started self-studying. That's that's how I I started looking into a real estate uh, investor side. Absolutely, um, and that's the general progression of the entrepreneur. Anyways, you start as a solopreneur. Um, and then you create a business usually first, and then it's investing. You, you've taken a little bit more of an unconventional approach there going investing prior to business, but um, ultimately you get to the same place. So I'm curious, why did you choose investing over like a private practice? And I am a total layman here, so you could go in any direction you want. Right, right. So I thought about opening my own business as well. Uh, but again, to build that up and to manage the practice, looking at looking at other um, like managing partners and other firm owners, uh, I, I realized okay, so even if I open up my own firm, still I gotta put a lot of hours and uh, work really hard. Uh, and then in the end, if my daughters, I have two daughters, if my daughters don't want to become an attorney. Well, I'm going to have to sell it to somebody, right? I'm going to have to sell the portion or completely sell the business practice because unless my daughters become an attorney, I cannot pass this down to them. So that's a, that was another thought. Okay, so I got to work hard anyway. 
and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be also trading my time for money, uh, which is the same thing that I do. Uh, and then I cannot pass this down to my kids, even if I I, I grow that up. So uh, that that's probably why I had you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I want to find something that no matter what my kids want to do, I could pass down on to them so that they, it could sustain um, like a constant income stream for them, no matter what they want to do. So that was one thought. And uh, secondly, uh, I, I you know fell in love with the idea of creating uh, financial freedom, but it's only possible through passive income, not active income. And don't get me wrong, I, I love active income. I love to work. And that's my nature. Um, but what I want is the option of if I don't have to, I don't have to, right? And I, I just don't want to work because I have to. So uh, having the idea of creating passive income, being an investor uh, was very, to me, it was very attractive. It came to me as a very attractive option. Uh, and then I started looking into different vehicles like stocks, uh, dividend stocks uh, and REITs and, and funds, whatnot. And, and then, but nothing really thrilled me. But when I, when I um, accidentally found out about multifamily uh, real estate investing, I just fell in love with that. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. So I hadn't really thought of it that way because if you start a private practice, you're still going to be working your ass off. It doesn't really change a whole lot and there's a good chance it'll fail. Um, I would imagine 90% or so um, and you can't pass it on. So that makes a lot of sense. So you, you want to build a legacy. Um, so basically, what did, what was it? Because you mentioned going into stocks and you found multifamily. What was it about multifamily that you were like, this is the thing for me? I think I think it was the scalability, right? So after tasting a little bit of funds and and, and stocks, um, I I thought it was not really fun. I don't know, at, at least for me. And then real estate came to me, like, okay, this is something that I want to own. Like always uh, thought about owning something, uh, right? Real estate here. Uh, but then all I could think about in the beginning was like, uh, okay, maybe buying like a one family duplex, uh, but New York is too expensive. I was looking outside of New Jersey, Connecticut, uh, maybe some mixed units, maybe, maybe two family, uh, or, uh, one commercial. And then that's around when I think I, I heard Grant Cardone and you know how he is. I, it's, it's like a showman guy, but uh, you know, I, I, I like it. No way explained, you shouldn't go below like 16 units or 32 units and the explanation as to why and the justification uh, somehow made sense to me, right? And, and okay, so I concluded that, okay, this probably residential investing and this bigger apartments as a commercial uh, type apartment investing is just two different animals to me, so... I realized this is just two different games. You don't have to start with one family. I'll, I'll just start jumping into a multifamily. And uh, the way uh, the valuation of multifamily is different from residential, where you could you can totally use the cap rates and, and NOIs to get the value, and uh, and you could force the appreciation through that, and then and the cash out refi. All this, all this, you know, the the rosy. Uh, path right it's, it's just to me i was like oh this is making so much sense this is what i want to do 
Absolutely. There's a thousand reasons to get into multifamily. Um, I'm, so how difficult was it to learn? Because um, you mentioned you're in New York, right? So property prices are ridiculous out there. Um, so this was almost a trial by fire, right? So you went right after multi-fire, multi-family rather. Um, what was that learning process like? So um, accidentally, I found this website, BiggerPockets.com. Now we all know what it is, but I just found it really accidentally. Like no one really told me like, oh, you got to go check it out this website. I was just constantly Googling around. I found Grant Cardone and Michael Blanks. And then that led me to uh, BiggerPockets.com. And, and I read a lot of articles and, uh, you know, started just online networking, right? Um so I did a lot of self-studying through biggerpockets.com in the beginning and uh, just listening to the podcast, watching the YouTube videos. And I think that's important to, to start learning about what you're, uh, you're going to go into, right? You're going to know the lingos and all the jargons, but still self-education is not the equivalent to taking an action, right? I was just studying, reading. I thought I was taking actions, but it was just merely, I think, passively just resolving, I mean, absorbing the information, not really taking any actions. So I, after like a couple months, like six, probably six months, uh, after having the analysis paralysis period, I decided to join a mentorship group. So uh, I started vetting couple and then I ended up joining a um, mentorship group called Jake and Gino and then MIH Mastermind. They're both a multifamily investors group. And that, that was the okay. game changer to me. Well, it's often the case, right? If you want to get somewhere, the fastest way to get there is to ask somebody that's been there before, right? Uh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, cool. So um, you mentioned something very important. Like a lot of people listening are probably new. They're not taking enough action. A lot of people view entertainment as or inter- education as entertainment, especially mediums like this one, right? Um, so what would you tell to somebody that listens to a lot of things, they read a lot of books, but they don't take a lot of action? And again, um, I still I still believe reading and studying is important. It's a part of it. I, I, I tell some of the people that I, I like to discuss about this process, ENA, right? Uh, education, networking, and action. These are the three things that I think the most important for my journey. It's been that way. Um, so studying, that's great. But unless you've taken actions, like what you study is, is it's not going to be realized. I think to, to make something happen, uh, you need to, you need to uh, accomplish certain aspects of uh, uh, this real estate journey. Uh, and uh, education is just one side. And just by doing that, it's, it's not going to work. And you just continuously read and continuously uh, acquire the knowledge, but nothing's going to happen. So once you acquire certain knowledge, now you need to find out how uh, uh, it's going to work, right? You got to you got to put that into action. You got to apply the the knowledge that you learned and come up with an implementation and and see it, how it works, right? Absolutely. Um, and, and the deeper you get into the game, you you start to notice how different theoretical knowledge is and actualized knowledge, something that comes from a, a basis of experience. Like anybody could read a book on flipping and it's not that complicated. 
I could talk mm -hmm. about flipping pretty good after I read a book, if I read it enough times and I understand the concept, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I don't under, that doesn't mean I understand what it's like to lose $15,000 on a flip. And obviously right. <laughs> contextually, this is different than the multifamily game, but I'm just trying to wrap it in a bow for anybody listening. It's just like, you, you need to understand experience is part of the equation. You can't just learn I have, forever. I have, um, I have a good example. I have a good example for that I want to throw. So to me, taking an action is, is, is an execution, right? You can, you, there's a decision-making process involved, not just brain-wise, but, but physically, right? So you will learn uh, how, to, how to make a cold call for the brokers and lenders in the beginning and how to build a credibility rapport and all that maybe have a tra uh, script in front of you. But unless you literally dial the phone and call the broker and the lender and actually literally speech those words out, it's not going to happen, right? That's the action that I'm talking about. Like it's learning and talking to them and then following up, calling the lenders, reaching out to, to network, uh, go out, physically meeting them, handshakes. This, this is what's going to complete your um your education side yeah and the beauty of that example i love it by the way is is most people hate cold calling um and i think that's the, the same i think it correlates really well because most people hate taking the action because to be a successful investor you need to do things that make you uncomfortable um you just simply cannot get there and that's a tremendous example because anybody thinking about cold calling they'll look at the script they won't even try to do it once i'm like i can do that and then they'll pick up the phone and they'll realize how much they suck. Um, <laughs> so, um, but that's how you get better. You do it. I mean, it's the beautiful process of this is you just do the same activities over and over until you get good. Um, everybody's looking for a magic pill. I mean, that is the magic pill. Just do the work. Um, <laughs> do the work. Um, cool. So let's talk about the journey a little bit more, um, dialing it back. Um, so you found this mentor. Um, how did things change once that happened? So I, I joined the group, it was late February of 2020. And guess what? As soon as I joined, what happened? Pandemic. <laughs> Pandemic shutdown happened uh, early March of 2020. So literally, I think I joined like the last day of February. And I was so ready to go out and let's meet these real estate guys out there. And, you know, and, then, and then everything got shut down. So I was a little frustrated in the beginning. But soon I realized, okay, this can be a great opportunity. And you know why? Because for the next like seven or eight, at least eight months, I had no work. Courts were closed, insurance companies were closed, nobody was working, we we're locked in. And then and then I started doing this type of Zoom call networking, right? So in twenty twenty alone, I think I think I think why well, I, I stopped counting after two hundred calls, right? In twenty twenty alone I did two hundred plus calls just for the uh, for the purpose of uh, finding my partner for real estate, uh, multifamily real estate investing in, in uh, my uh, mentorship group and outside of that group too, like randomly from Facebook groups and network, but also inside my group, Jake and Gino, I might mastermind, did a lot of networking and then a lot of education because again, I had a lot of time. So consumed all that online uh, materials, like relatively short period of time. And then uh, in terms of action taken wise, even if I was not able to go out, you could still talk to them, still find uh, you know, partners. After networking calls, we followed up and I, I uh, clicked with some, uh, some guy from Kansas 
and he became my boots on the ground partner. I my market was not New York as the price and uh, you know the way the way it works New York is was not uh, my ideal market. So I was trying to look for the market at the time, and then uh, I met uh, I networked with this guy Joe, and he uh, he decided to uh, look at the deals with me together and became my boots on the ground partner. So we looked into probably fifty to eighty. I think deals around that numbers on the road altogether had another partner coming in. And then um, uh, I had a goal of closing my first deal in 2020. Uh, that happened in December 2020. We, we closed a uh, 44-unit apartment in Lawrence, Kansas. That was my first deal as a joint venture structure. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one -on -one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go and most importantly, how you want to get there, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. There you go, man. So there's a lot of key points here that I'll need to make. Um, number one, 200 Zoom interviews to find your partner. For like, what was the time frame on that? Well, it's, you mean in, in terms of each call or? No, like what? What period? Oh, of this, time oh, was I see, see. No, just just throughout the 2020. I did. I did. I purposely set up at least like a, a quarter to a day. So that I could do at least like a ten to fifteen calls a week, and then obviously okay. I couldn't I couldn't do that. Some some days, you know, I I couldn't do it. Some days I had to spend more time with the kids and all that. But uh, consistently, at least a week, at least I'll try to do a five to fifteen calls a week. Uh, anyway, there. Uh, skip some. Okay, days. and how are you? That that was like a time frame. Yeah, man, it happens. Um... How are you finding these people? Uh, you just, just reached out. Um, what Jake and, in, in Jake and Gino group, we had hundreds of people in, in the private Facebook group. So mm -hmm. I put up my post. Hey, my name is Joseph Lee from New York. This is who I am. This is how I started my journey. And, and this is my goals. I love to network with you guys. And then there were like a, hundreds of like a comments. I think about 100 comments there. So I started reaching out one by one. And then I started noticing... 
depend, uh, based on the social media, like some, there's some people who are more active than the others. So I reached out to those active people and then just started uh, sending a call messages. Even if they're not in my mentorship group, I reached out. Hey, my name is Joseph Lee. I'm a, I'm a rookie real estate investor. Uh, I love to, I love to network with uh, those seasoned investors in the field. And that's, that's the message I'll send out. Uh, some got ignored. Some returned messages saying, oh, well, let's, let's get on a call. Uh, and that's, that's how I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You find out where the people you want to connect with are congregating, like that Facebook group. You, you, you put a post there publicly, and obviously that, that put a great foundation for you. But as you did it, you learned. Um, the beautiful thing about action is action begets action. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the hardest part is often the inertia of starting. Um, so very cool. I love that. Um, so you had to do 200 calls to find the partner that you wanted to work with. And then you had to underwrite 50 to 80 deals. So let's talk about your underwriting process. How long does it take to underwrite each deal? Just curious. Well, well, the caveat I want to put out first, I'm not, I'm not a, a good underwriter. I'm not the expert in underwriter. I learned how to underwrite and I, I think everyone should learn how to underwrite at least on the, um, high, high level overview. Um, so when I was underwriting a lot, I probably, if I have all the financials and all that, I probably take uh, two, three hours if I want to like look into it deeply. All right. Um, but I always underwrote with other partners together who are better at it. So, so who could have a second eye. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so it took just ballparking here Took 200 phone calls to find a partner, another 50 to 80 deals to underwrite. That's at least another hundred, 150 hours. So you're putting up almost 500 hours to get your first deal together. Was there any point and 10 months of time? Right. Mm -hmm. Was there any point during that whole process that that giving up was an option or did you just have the mindset to keep plowing through? Oh, I, I, had, I was so motivated. All I was thinking about was multifamily when I woke up and went to sleep. So I was I was more obsessed with the multifamily investing and, and the idea of creating passive income and like, you know, like generational legacy or something. But that doesn't mean that I was not discouraged because. Within this group, a lot of people were closing deals left and right. And to me, like, okay, I joined Jake and Gene, I joined the MIG Mastermind, these two great groups. Even, even then, it took 10 months. So with that, throughout that 10 months, I was, I was, I felt like I was just walking in a tunnel without a light, right? When I hear you who from left, from right, they get closed. I said, ah, why this is not happening, right? So, that was my mindset. Okay, but still, you know, I chose this path. Let's let's push. It would happen. It would happen. It would happen, and uh, eventually it happened. But um, I was, yeah, there were moments I was really discouraged. It happens. It's actually part of the journey. You have to get through some failure it, to get it, to where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, especially when right, you skip yeah. the single family game and you go right to multifamily. So that makes the learning curve a little bit longer. It's no surprise that it took ten months, but I could guarantee. That the second deal didn't take that long. Um, how long did it take for you to get the second one? The second one we closed in March 2021. Uh, that was 68 unit. Uh, that was that was done through syndication. So we were the main uh, sponsors, and then we had a secondary partners, and then we raised capital. 
Uh, that was 68 unit in Wichita, Kansas. That was our second deal. So three months later, we closed it. And I, I believe in the law of the first deal. That's, I mean, the first deal is the hardest. Once you did that, you have the credibility, you have the process, the momentum built up, and you just ride through. Yeah, no question. The first deal is generally exponentially harder, right? And just look at the time frame adjustment there. Obviously, you didn't have to find another partner again, which is good. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but still, you went from 10 months to um, three, basically. That's pretty substantial. What about the, the one after that? Because I know you just keep acquiring stuff. Right. So uh, luckily, I, I was fortunate. So my mentor took me under his wing, Marco. Um, so Marco, uh, at the time when we closed the second deal, March 2021, that he offered me a part time in his company, his real estate holding company. And, uh, you know, for like a legal due diligence and anything and everything for him. Right. I said, yeah, I would love to do it. And he said, okay, I know you're busy, lawyers. Um, it's a part time. Whenever you have time, you can do it at night too. So I said, great. He started raising capital for another mentor of mine, Chris Jackson in Sharpline. Uh, they had a crazy deal flow at the time. And uh, with them, I was able to join as co-GP through Marco's team. Uh, and we closed uh, like 30, uh, 60, 62, uh, 68 unit in 64 unit in April, 36 in May. Um, 72 in June, 130, August, 151, September. That was 2021, all syndication closed. And 2022, uh, we closed like seven deals, six or seven deals, all syndication. And I, I became a GP in uh, all these deals, co GP. So that was absolutely roller coaster journey. I just like, it's like a closing every or every other month. There you go. That's the amazing thing about traction and momentum. It kind of keeps building up. So how many units do you guys have in your portfolio now? Uh, it's like thousand plus. Uh, for myself, it's thousand plus. I mean, Marco and Chris Jackson, they has, they has like three, four thousand units, I think. Um, but just for me, it's it's thousand units. But the caveat is that, I mean, I'm just co-GP, right? I'm not, I'm not like lead gp or anything so i have like a tiny little uh interest gp interest in all the deals so i'll say thousand plus like 800 plus ish is like co gp with you know some tiny gp shares so i can't say i have much equity in it but uh the first deal and the second deal is 68 units where i am uh the lead gp and then we closed uh, another four jv deals in 2022 so 16 i had 16 units 20 units, 43 and 44. These are, these I have a hands-on uh, asset management uh, uh, role. So 200 plus, hands-on, 800 plus, just, you know, it's co-GP. Okay, um, so let's talk pros and cons of the, the joint venture type deals versus the syndication deals. Um, mm -hmm. So like hands-on versus hands-off. What does that look like? Well, as a GP of joint venture and, and syndication or being an LP and GP? What, uh, what? Um, well, let's just talk more granularly based on the ones that you have going on now. Um, so like mm -hmm. the 200 homes or doors rather that you have more of an active role with versus uh -huh. the 800 or so that's more passive. Okay. I, I, love, I love both, right? I think, I think everybody should do both being a GP and being an LP. 
I, I see a lot of, uh, I met a lot of people who are just into being a GP. And I get that. That's why you guys join a mentorship group, doing networking and all that. And then, you know, being an LP is kind of boring too. But that's where the true passive income comes from, right? If you are making uh, money as, as a GP and fees and asset management fees and acquisition fees and all that, it's all active income. You worked. And we love to work, so that's fine. But how long you just want to work and work and work and work? It's the same thing that you just being an attorney. How is it going to different, right? So, as much as I make as fees or uh, equity, I, I I put them into an LP side as well, so that I could also make passive income streams. And I I love to do both. Yeah, it's funny. I think like the LP is one of the only true passive assets um, for real estate investing. I know like you buy a bunch of single family and people say it's passive, but I promise you it's not. Um, <laughs> unless you have a really It is good considered team. to be passive through tax, yeah. right? Uh, the tax definition, it's passive income, but you work really hard and, and those Airbnbs and, and even if you make an automation, still it's it takes up, I think, a lot of time. According to my friend who does a lot of Airbnbs, it, it takes a lot of time. Great cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> Great cash flow. And even if you if you outsource the management, right, it's for Airbnb in particular, talking like 20%. Um, and, and if you're doing going the more traditional route, it's like 10 to 12 is often market rate. It depends on where you are, right? So, I mean, you're, you're mm -hmm. spending money to make that money if it is passive. And then you have to find a good one and you have to manage that person, right? So it's like when whenever you try to make it passive, you're often finding different ways to work. Um, <laughs> really, um, it's cool. I mean, I would love to talk about your journey a little bit now. Um, you came from South Korea. Like, how did that look? Um, uh, yeah, I, I came here, uh, I was 17 years old, right? Almost like a couple of months shy of, of 18, being an 18 years old. Um, you know, I, I landed in the U S like totally new culture, uh, new people, new friends, new lifestyle, language and everything. So ever since I came, my life has been all about just proving myself, right? And, and this new country, like just trying to get better uh, version of myself, like every day, okay, studying, not only that, how to speak in English, um, you know, I got to set goals. Like at the same time, I think I, I wanted to also enjoy like a freedom because I'm in like a, people don't know me, right? I could I could be as free as possible too. So, as as much as I I was living the busy life, working and studying and and uh, trying to develop myself at the same time, because it's a foreign country, I was able to enjoy the freedom of just being lying in the park and I don't really care uh, whether I was lying on the grass or not, and you know benches and I, I remember those those days from from college. So it was good. It was it was very. Uh, cultural excitement uh I'll, I'll just put it that way yeah did you move straight to new york from south korea yes that had to be a hell of a culture shock man i was i had i had um we have a huge korean community in new york too right so that that's uh that's that was a good thing because i was able to at least taste some korean uh lifestyle there food and 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 I had relatives here too. So it was easier to transit, I think, that way. Um, but yet still, 
language wise and uh it's uh the cultures it was, it was all different so it was not easy but it was exciting mm-hmm. i can imagine the temperament was a little bit different too <laughs> it's totally totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay cool so um let's talk about some of your other ventures um you were talking about some small business things like what has you attracted to um that currently uh, so as i was as i was acquiring more multifamily and learning and getting getting like building up a more concrete idea of what it is like to be a passive investor an active investor building passive income and all that um I, I started thinking like, okay, so w- what options are there? Okay, this is good. I will continuously do this. Um, but what does that mean when, when uh, Robert Kiyosaki said, okay, you got to be an investor, but you also got to be a bi- uh, business owner, owner mindset, right? I thought I was a business owner just because I opened my LLC. And I'm the, I'm the solo guy there. I'm 100% uh, owner of that LLC and doing the multifamily investing. So I, in the beginning, I thought that was a business, but it wasn't really not, right? It's, it's, as a solo, it's self-employed. That's why Robert Kiyosaki had a separate column of employee and self-employed. Attorney, by in and of itself, is a self-employed. As a W-2, you're an employee, but even if you open your own firm, your name is out there and people come to you for your service. So unless, well, at one point you can make it as a business probably with, with probably 50, 100 attorneys. Now you don't have to work. That's a business. You, now you're turned that into a business. But before then, I self-employed, right? Um, so I realized, okay, I got to find, uh, I got to find a way to uh, pull myself out of this equation, but still yet the system runs, right? So. I was like, I was not, you know, I thought about maybe studying more of business uh, and I'm still, I'm still watching a lot of business related videos to learn things. I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's where I just started just thinking like, okay, what options are there? And like Airbnb is, to me, it's a business, right? It's not a real estate investing to me. My, in my definition, it's a business. So I looked into Airbnbs and uh, whatnot. And around then, I, I, I started uh, watching some contents from Cody Sanchez. She's, she is like, she's from like a private equity background, a hedge fund background. And now she has sort of like a movement of reviving the middle class of the U.S. because a lot of baby boomers are retiring with profitable small businesses, yet their glorified kids don't want to inherit that because they want to become an attorney and doctor or engineers instead of inheriting million dollar plumbing business, right? So I was enjoying the contents. And then at one point she, she mentions about like, uh, you know, there's small business where you could go as passive as you can with a good operator. So I started mimicking that model uh, because I was interested in coffee, being and coffee business. Uh, so I was looking for a small business opportunities as well as I was investing in multifamily. And um, recently, I, you know, I'm really fortunate to, to have this opportunity, but uh, I, I was able to close a cafe and bakery nearby my uh, office with another partner, my wife and another partner. So three of us, the partner is 
on the payroll and, and she is the owner operator of, of this business and I could stay more passive. And to me, this is more of like a business owner uh, system where I have owner operator full time running for us and I could still collect the profit from, uh, from the business. But this is like a passive income yet owning the business system. So I'm, I'm getting there. So I, I'm, I'm studying more, but this is where I am now doing a real estate. Multifamily investing is my backbone to create more, more passive income cash flow, uh, and, and building up the assets and, uh, acquiring more small businesses on my local area to, for better cash flow. And I'm going to invest that cash into a real estate. So this like an ecosystem, uh, that, that cycles. That's, that's where I'm yeah. trying to build. Yeah. There you go. Um, so you're diversified, number one, which is always good. Um, number two, you're, you're planning to reinvest the business income back into real estate, which is going to feed your financial freedom goals. Um, curious, um, you mentioned you want to stay local with the businesses. Um, is this, why is that? Uh, for real estate, uh, I'm I'm fine with out of state investing. I mean, I would have done in local if the money makes sense, right? But because mm -hmm. that reason, I was going out of state. Business, it makes sense here, New York. Um, small business, a lot of small businesses make great profits. Um, and uh, I want to not just make money, but also you know, like kind of contribute to the local area where you know it's selling goods. Right, and invite my friends where I could, you know, just go with my friends and uh, just sit down and talk. I, I, I would love to have that opportunity as well because it's a business. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, I think there's there's some perks <laughs> to owning a bakery and a coffee shop, right? You could just show up whenever you want and be like, I could take free yeah. bread. This is my business. <laughs> Every um, morning I drink free latte. So that's that's it. That's all I want. <laughs> There you go. The perks of owning a coffee shop in New York. Um, very cool, man. So obviously you have a lot of stuff going on, Yosef. Like what is your vision over, say, the next 12 months? Um, are you going to be a lawyer forever is another question I have. I I will be a lawyer forever. I think I think I would my approach will be reducing the hours, uh, but yet maintain some works like being probably selective in terms of picking the cases and the arrangement with the firm because I love this this portion of my life as well. So litigation is also fun. Um, so I will maintain that if I will shrink the hours and do more real estate and more business acquisition and, and operation side. So for the next 12 months, including this year to next year, it's going to be um, a year of like strengthening the, the core business strengthening the structure, re, uh, rebuilding and things like that. That's more internal stuff. That's what I'm going to be focusing on for the next 12 months. There you go. Um, there you go. Um, so if you had 100 lifetimes of cash flow and a billion dollars in the bank, Yosef, what would you be doing with your free time? A billion dollars. I'll still be doing the same thing because <laughs> in the end, for a lot of people, money is not the goal, right? It's, it's just what's happening as as you take your journey towards your vision and goals. 
Um, so I'll continuously do uh, my attorney jobs, building, building my uh, network, building this assets, um, building my portfolios. It's constantly, <laughs> and and then time to time, I want to have uh, if I want to travel, I'll, I'll travel with my family uh, around the world. There, I you know just recently I got a gift from my friend. It's like a the name of the book was like a thousand places that you should visit before you die kind of thing right so there are a thousand places uh in the world right but if you just think about it the 50 states of the u.s you're not gonna be there right? and, and each state has like amazing locations to visit too so i'm like oh like even if i visit every day these locations it's, it's gonna take like decades uh, which is always again in and of itself impossible, right? So I have I have this this idea of traveling uh, around the world in later part of my life, and uh, that's one of the the goals I want, like a bucket list. Oh, absolutely! And well, it's funny. Like the more granular you look at things, yeah, you could go all over the world, right? But just the United States, there's plenty of stuff to see too. You're from New York, man. I am from Chicago. If I wanted to eat at all the great restaurants in Chicago, it would take me years. Um, and same thing for you, right? So it's just one of those yes. things that um, the lens that you view things through is very, very important. Um, so I love that, man. Well, cool, Yosef, this has been great. If the audience wanted to get in touch with you, man, what would be the best way for them to do so? So I try to be a very active on social media. So you can, you can, um punch in Yosef, your bro sub in Facebook, Insta, or, or TikTok and LinkedIn. It's Y-O-S-E-F, Y-O-U-R-B-R-O-S-E-F. Yosef, your bro sub. Send me a DM and we'll get on the call. Thank you for that, Yosef. I was looking for a way to slide in Yosef, your bro in somehow, and I just couldn't figure it out. So you, you did it for me. Um, thank you so much, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank giving you us a glimpse. Thank you for having me. Yeah, anytime, man. Um, anytime at all. And then to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. And sometimes you'll have to do hundreds of those actions before you find the results that you're looking for. Remember, Yosef, it took 10 months, 200 partner phone calls, and roughly 50 to 80 underwriting deals to find that first one. But then the second one came, and then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So go out there and do everything it takes to get the first deal. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 